Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hello, everyone. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here at Lighthouse. Thanks for being here today. And if you're watching online, thanks for joining us online as well. I want to introduce today's message by telling a story of a spring break story from 2018. So in 2018, my wife and I decided that uh, we should take our kids for maybe one last spring break trip before they all graduate and uh, go down to Florida and visit some family and friends and so on. And the problem was that year, spring break started on Easter weekend. And I worked at a church and we had several services on Saturday and Sunday. And so you can't miss Easter Sunday. It's like the Super Bowl, right, you know, of, of church services. So we can't miss it. And so we, we went through all the services, and then Sunday afternoon we ran home, packed the cars in our van, and took off towards Florida, planning to drive through the night. What I didn't realize at the time was that there were several other pastors and ministry leaders who were also driving to Florida after Easter weekend at the same time. And so we started this group chat where we were texting each other and, you know, like say, hey, where are you guys going? What part of Florida? And, and uh, where are you at? And so on. And so it turned into the amazing race. I didn't realize that. <laughs> of pastors who shouldn't be driving 90 miles an hour, right? But they might have been, or might not. I don't know. But anyway, so we're, we're racing down to Florida, and uh, I, I got a couple of Starbucks Frappuccinos, maybe three to 12 of them or something, and I was just drinking those left and right, and I told my kids, I said, hey, we're going to stop at a gas station. You got about five minutes to go to the bathroom, all right? And then we'll get back in, and, and we were rushing all the way down. And uh, one of the funniest moments of it was my friend David Merle, who's up over here. Yeah, he was driving down with his family, and, <laughs> and he's behind us, all right? And so we're giving him all kinds of a hard time, and, and, uh, but he's starting to gain. I think he must have been speeding. That's my guess. But, <laughs> but he stopped at about 1 or 2 in the morning. He stops and gets off to get gas, and the next thing I know, he's like further back. I said, what, what happened, David? He said, well, we got back on the highway the wrong way and drove. Isn't that terrible? It was awful. I may or may not have laughed for, about, for a long time on that one. Um, we made it down in record time, but, but I will tell you, um, my family did not have a good time on that trip, right? I mean, we didn't actually enjoy the trip down. I was in such a hurry that I didn't really enjoy it. My family didn't really enjoy it. I didn't, in, I don't remember much about the trip because I was hopped up on caffeine and just looking, you know, trying to beat David. And uh, <laughs> my kids didn't enjoy, enjoy the trip. And then it took me like a day or two to physically recover. You know, like when you drive through the night and you're all stressed out. And so I didn't really start enjoying our vacation until about day three. So this isn't the way that we're supposed to walk through life, right? In, in a hurry, everywhere we go. And yet that tends to be kind of my 
my mindset a lot of the time. When I go to check out a Meijer or Walmart or the grocery store, I'm walking up to the checkout lines. You know what I'm doing. I'm looking for the shortest line or I'm studying the cashier and saying, is she new? Is she fast? You know, trying to get through the line as quickly as possible. Or when I'm driving up to an intersection with a stoplight, I'm looking between the lanes which one is going to be the fastest one to pull out because there's a truck on this one, but it's shorter because everybody knows they're slow, so we should get in this line. And, you know, I'm in this hurry all the time. Uh, this is something that's been more recent to me, um, but when I'm at a, a game, a competition, or a concert or something like that, you know, I'm tempted to leave early just to beat the rush, right? I just, I don't want to wait to see the end of the show or the end of the game because I want to beat everybody else out of the parking lot. Why am I always in such a hurry? When I um, was in second or third grade, my, my friend and I, he was really smart, and uh, we would compete on our assignments in class. So if we had a test or a homework assignment, we would race to see who could turn it in first. And uh, not only did you have to turn it in first, but it had to be perfect. You couldn't miss any either. And so I was doing that through the school year, just like hurrying and rushing and every day in my classroom to the point that I got an ulcer in second or third grade. I had an ulcer because I was hurrying and rushing and worrying. My mom changed what class I was going to be in after that, said, you're not going to be in, be in class with that other boy anymore. So, Because hurrying in life is not good for our well-being. Let me just say that. I don't think it's good for our physical well-being. I don't think it's good for our relationships either. I don't think you're going to have someone fall in love with you if all you ever do are speed dates, right? I mean, it takes time to build relationships and to sow into relationships and have healthy relationships. I would also say that hurrying is not good for your spiritual condition as well. You know, if we're just trying to hurry and, okay, what verse do I read today? So there were three men stopped. I can't read it because it's too small. I'm <laughs> answering. And then we just put it down and go, okay, God, you're going to have to use that today because I'm in a hurry. Or, okay, I'm not going to take time to pray, but maybe while I'm driving, I'll say a prayer or two. You know, and like, if we hurry through our spiritual life, it's not healthy as well. Let me just submit to you that I believe that living a hurried lifestyle just isn't good for us. Most of us know this, and yet we still hurry through life. In fact, there's probably at least three of you who are thinking, I just wish he'd hurry through this sermon. I got things to do later this afternoon. Yeah, I know. You're smiling. I know who you are. Yeah, there's a few of you. I'll, I'll hurry. I'll hurry. No, I'm not going to hurry. Uh, here's a couple of quotes. Never be in a hurry. Do everything quietly and in a calm spirit. Do not lose your inner peace for anything whatsoever. Even if your whole world seems upset, what is anything in life compared to peace of soul? Here's another one. Roses do not bloom hurriedly. For beauty, like any masterpiece, takes time to blossom. 
Man hurries, God does not. That is why man's works are uncertain and maimed, while God's are flawless and sure. I usually only have three when I do a quote, um, but I just really like this last one. It's just so true. It says, nature does not hurry, yet everything is accomplished. Think about that. Everything gets accomplished in nature. Well, I don't believe that God wants us to hurry through life. When we hurry through life, we miss the joy of the journey. We miss living a life of peace. Now, the good news, I do believe that with Christ, we can live a non-hurried life. I think it's possible. No matter what stage of life you're in, even if you're parents of small children with all kinds of activities and so on, I believe that we can live a non-hurried life, and that's what Christ has for us. So hold that thought. We're continuing our message series titled Kingdom Mindsets, Training Our Thinking. And the premise behind this is just simply that the world is trying to take control of our thoughts and have us live a worldly mindset, and that's contrary to what God has for us. Within the kingdom of God, there are mindsets that we are supposed to walk in. And there's a scripture that says that we take captive every thought and command it to be subject to Jesus Christ. And so we are called to take control of our thoughts and command them to be subject to Jesus Christ so we can train our thinking to be more like Christ. And I would say that a hurried mindset is not the mindset of Christ. We'll talk more about that today. So we're going to be reading a scripture from Matthew chapter 11. You can turn there in your Bibles. We'll also have it up on the screen. You can use your phones if you would like. But in this section of scripture, Jesus is sharing some tips on how we can exchange a hurried and worried mindset for that of Christ, which is more of a relaxed and peaceful mindset. Jesus is teaching his disciples. He's teaching the people uh, in the area of Galilee, and he's giving them plenty of things to do. And then at the end of it, he says this section of scripture, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I'm going to pray, but I, I want to ask, how many of you already know that this message is for you? Just slip up your hand real quick. Okay. I want to say a prayer for, you can, you can put your hands down. God knows who it is. I'm going to pray for each of you that put your hands up. Uh, our title is Relaxed Versus Hurried because I think that God wants us to live a non-hurried lifestyle, more of a relaxed and peaceful uh, lifestyle. But let me pray uh, specifically for each of you that raise your hands. Well, God, I thank you for your word that is true. And, and I believe that there are many of us today, even beyond those who raise their hands, who, who need to hear this message today on how to navigate life and live in peace and, and not be rushed everywhere we go and, and arrive at the end of our journey and wonder 
what it was all about. So, Lord, I pray for each of the individuals that raised their hands, God. There are many points to this message, Lord, but I, I think there are just a few points that you have for them today. So I pray that that scripture or that uh, word would speak specifically to them and that they would know exactly what you have for them today and, and that it would be a takeaway, Lord, that would change their life. Help me, Lord, to speak your words, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you have a handout, you can fill in some of this. Uh, we're going to start with a lie. First of all, the lie is that there isn't enough time in a day to do everything I need to do. Some of you are just saying, that's not a lie, that's a fact, <laughs> right? But I would say that's a lie. That's a lie because of the, at the end of it, it says, I need to do. I need to do. How do we know what we need to do? Because I think if we believe this lie, then we are going to always need to be in a hurry. We're going to be stressed out a lot. We're not going to have time for family and friends. We're not going to have time to invest in a relationship with God if we believe this lie. And this lie is it's just simply not true. Here's the truth. God has given each of us enough time to do what he requires of us. That's the truth. God has given each of us enough time to do what he requires of us. Every one of us has 24 hours every day. It's a use it or lose it situation, right? But our Heavenly Father would not require of us something that takes 25, 26, 27 hours every day to accomplish. That would just be cruel because we only have 24 hours. So our Heavenly Father loves us so much that what He requires of us we have enough time to accomplish it. All right, I have a few action steps that will help us to walk in that. Here's the first one, is to receive the gift of rest. Receive the gift of rest. Verse 28 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus is offering a gift to us, which is rest. That is a gift. I truly believe it. Because we know it, right? And when we have rest, oh man, it's just, life is so much better. It just really is. But it is a gift from Jesus, and he says, come to me. Come to me, and I'll give it to you. So we have to go to Jesus to receive it. We're not going to find it in some other way. We're going to find rest from Jesus and Jesus alone. Now, where can he be found? Jesus is found all throughout Scripture. When you are reading and meditating on the Word of God, rest is a byproduct that comes with it. It just does. When we pray and we take time to just connect with God the Father, rest and peace comes into our soul. When we take times to worship God, I mean, there is rest and peace that comes to us. Every time we go to Jesus, there's this byproduct of rest and peace that comes with in return. And by the way, if you were 
not planning on coming on Friday night, I would encourage you, come on Friday night to our night of worship and receive what God has for you. I find a lot of rest and peace in God's creation. I'll go for walks in the woods. You know, just try to get away from man's creation. Whatever you see that man has created, avoid that. That doesn't bring peace and rest. But go to what God has created, a, a river, you know, some, some trees, the birds. I mean, that brings rest to my soul. Jesus can be found when we come to church and we hang out with his family. Matthew 18.20 says, For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. That was Jesus speaking. So if we want to find Jesus and receive this gift of rest, go wherever his people, his family, are hanging out in his name. And you will, you will find Jesus. You will meet with him and he will give you his rest. It's a gift. Another action step is to follow Jesus' example. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus was a carpenter, and he understood the farming uh, different tools that they had. I mean, one of them is a, is a yoke. And I always envisioned a yoke being like a single yoke. And I, and I was like, okay, Jesus says, take my yoke on you. I guess it's really light. It's like made out of fiberglass or something. It's just really light, you know. Um, but that's not the image I think that Jesus actually had for us. If we look at this image, this is a, a, a picture of a couple of oxen with this double yoke. And the first one is the, the bigger one and the older one, more experienced one. And then you have maybe a younger one, a smaller one coming beside. And that's how they would train up young oxen is they would yoke them together with an experienced older one. And the experienced older one would actually be pulling most of the weight of the plow. And the young one is really just yoked together to learn how to do it. And so when Jesus is giving this example, he's just saying, come beside me. I'll, I'll put our double yoke on. I'll carry most of the load, but you just learn from me. And it'll be light and less burdensome. I'll carry most of the weight. And so we need to learn from Jesus in this area of busyness. If you can think, can you think of a time when Jesus was super busy and worried and upset in Scripture? It, it doesn't exist. No matter, I mean, Jesus did a ton in three years of ministry. A ton in three years, which I can't even imagine. Our church has been around for what, four and a half years now. Um, and uh, Jesus, in less time that Lighthouse has been around, Jesus changed the entire world, which is just crazy for me. You would think he would have been so busy, but he wasn't. Jesus consistently, as you read through Scripture, took time for people. His disciples were busy, and they're like, oh, no, we don't have time for these children. Move them aside, move them aside. And Jesus is like, no, 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 bring them over here. Bring them over here. Let them sit here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to them and pray for them. Consistently, Jesus showed a relaxed and peaceful lifestyle. And we can learn from 
from that. One story that I love is the story of Lazarus, because Lazarus was a good friend of Jesus's, and, uh, and he was sick. And watch Jesus' response to his friend being sick here in John chapter 11. He says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he ran to him. No, that's actually not what it says, does it? He stayed where he was two more days. Jesus wasn't in a hurry. Now, where he was staying on the other side of the Jordan, as compared to Bethany, where Lazarus was, was a two-day journey by foot. And so he stayed for two days, and then he walked two days. He didn't get on a horse or a chariot and, and hurry there. And he got there and found out that Lazarus had been dead and in the tomb for four days. So Jesus wasn't in a hurry to get there. Now, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead because <laughs> he knew that, and he said, this isn't going to end in death. He might die, <laughs> but he is, it's not going to end in death. And he, lays, he raised his, his friend Lazarus from the dead. And to him, he knew. It didn't matter if it was two days, if Lazarus was in the tomb for two, three, four, five. It didn't matter. He was still going to raise him from the dead. Jesus knew the outcome. And so he wasn't in a hurry. And we don't have to be in a hurry either because Jesus knows the outcome of our lives. And we can trust him. We can trust him. And we can live a life modeled after Jesus. Now, what were some of the things that Jesus did? Every week, Jesus would take a day off of work and go to church and hang out with God's people reading God's scripture. He just did it every week. And some of us are like, how can he take a day off every week? Yeah, he, he did, and we should too. It's the Sabbath. We should take a day every week and honor God. Another thing that Jesus did was that he took naps. <laughs> some of you need to just take a nap, right? <laughs> can I get an amen on that one? <laughs> if we need to take a nap, we should just take a nap, right? Jesus did. He modeled that. He also took vacations. I mean, it's, it's not necessarily stated in Scripture, but it's implied because Jesus was part of the Jewish people, and they would have these Passover feasts, and they would have these other festivals and feasts that would last for seven days, and you did not work during that time. And so two, three, four weeks a year, Jesus was on holiday. He was on vacation. And if you haven't taken a vacation in a while, you might need to. You might need to. That's what Jesus did. Another thing that Jesus did was that he would get up early and spend time with God. He knew that sleeping that extra hour or so versus spending that extra hour with God 
wasn't even comparable to feeding his soul. He knew what his soul needed, and it wasn't an extra hour of sleep. It was an hour with God or whatever amount of time. So we can learn a lifestyle of peace by reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and just seeing what Jesus did because he was never in a hurry and he lived a life of peace. So we can learn from him. Another action step is to prune some burdens. Prune some burdens. Jesus said, my, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if we are living a burden-filled life, we're probably not doing the things that Jesus has called us to do. All right, let me say that again. If your life is full of an incredible amount of burdens, I mean, you can just feel the weight of them on your shoulders, then we have to take a look at what we have said yes to. Okay? Pruning is one of the most fruitful things you can do with trees and plants and flowers and fruits and, and uh, vegetables. When we prune, it actually creates more fruit in the end. Now, the thing is, we, when I think of pruning, I think of cutting off the dead branches. No, that's actually just like cutting off the dead branches. Pruning is cutting off things that are good so that you can have better or great things. See, the enemy of great in our lives is not bad, it's good. And so some of us today are so hurried because we have said yes to so many good things in our lives. And our, if we look at our schedule, it's completely full, and we have barely enough time to, to spend time with our family, our friends, with God, all of those things, because we've said yes to so many things. And we need to be willing to say no, to prune good things in our lives. Now, we can't prune our kids out of our lives. I'm not saying that. Or spouses, and those, those aren't things. We don't want to prune people that God has put in our lives for a purpose. But there are things that we have said yes to, I'm convinced of this because I do it myself, that God did not ask us to take on, that God did not ask us to say yes to. And so there are so many hours in a day, right, 24 hours, and God has a plan for all of them. And so if we're adding in things to our calendar that God did not plan for us, now we have 30 hours worth of stuff to do, but we only have 24 hours, so something has to go, right? Well, let's prune the things out of our calendar that God has not put in it. One of the things that I think... Um, each of us should take a hard look at when it comes to pruning is our screen time. How much time every day are we staring at some type of screen? Whether it's our phone or tablet or computer or TV. This can be easily pruned. Now, if it's your job, that's a different thing. I'm not talking about when you're working on those devices, but it's when you're not working. How many hours a day do we spend staring at a, an, an inanimate object, <laughs> just staring at it, interacting with it? Because some of us have plenty of time every day to do the things God's asked us to do or called us to do, things we're responsible for, but we waste so much time staring at these screens. 
I was talking to a few individuals this past week about this, and uh, on your iPhone, there's an app called Screen Time. So you can go on there and actually look at how many hours you're spending every day on your phone. And these individuals were counting up four, five hours a day. That's a part-time job right there <laughs> that we're spending on our phones. Now, what are we doing on that? This is the, thought, the part that I was thinking about this week. I'm, I'm like, when I'm staring at my phone or my TV or my tablet, what am I doing? Most of the time, I'm not going to say 100% of the time, most of the time, it's about self-indulgence, right? It's just entertainment. I'm looking at this because I want it. I want to watch a video. I want to you know, see what other people are doing in their lives. You know, it's, 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 right? It's about me. Well, God has not called us to be that self-centered. He just hasn't. And so some of us are super hurried because we're wasting the time that God has given us. That's something we can prune. So here's an assignment for all of us this week. Keep track of your screen time for the next seven days. All right, whether you do it through the app or you just kind of write it down, jot it down. Keep track of how much time you're spending every day. It's, it's, it's eye-opening how much we spend, how much time we spend on our screen. All right, that was number three, prune some burdens. Here's our last one for today, action step, which is to take back our schedule. Take back our schedule. Verse 20, it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon, me, upon you. The come to me, the take my yoke, I highlight that because it's, Jesus is implying that there are some steps we need to take, some action steps that we need to take. And I would say one of those is to take back our schedule. Take back our schedule. I think that one of the biggest causes of stress for some people is that they live an unscheduled life, and so they are simply reactive with their time versus proactive, and whatever comes along is what they react to, and so they never actually get done the things, the bigger things, the greater things in their life because they're not proactive about getting those done. They just react to whatever is coming their way. There's a book written by Charles Hummel called The Tyranny of the Urgent. And what it, the whole premise behind the book is just simply that if we don't take control of our schedule, of our time, then we will have all of these urgent things that just simply come to us and we just bounce from one to the other, to the other, to the other, to the other. An example of that would be um, instead of proactively scheduling to get your tires changed because you know that they're wearing out. Instead of doing that, you don't have time to get that done. You never make it happen. So then one day, you get a flat tire because it's bald and it finally just goes. And so now you're dealing with an urgent situation at a, a time that's not good for you versus scheduling to get those tires replaced when it was convenient for you. Does that make sense? That the whole tyranny of the urgent. And that's what life can be like. And that brings a lot of stress into your life if you just live from one urgent situation to another. It helps me to think about our calendar and our 24 hours that we have every day like you would a bank account. And uh, there's nobody better that I know 
to talk about money than Dave Ramsey. And this is what he says about a budget. He says, a budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. And it's a mindset, by the way. We're not going to talk about this mindset. Uh, but I would encourage you, we're planning on offering Financial Peace University uh, early next year. And I, if you've never taken that, I would encourage you to sign up for that because it helps you to change your mindset when it comes to money. So just think about that. So your money, if you get a paycheck, get $100, you can either just spend it as opportunity comes or you can create a budget for those $100 and decide where it's going to go, right? That's what a budget is. Well, I think that a calendar or a schedule is the same thing when it comes to time. We have 24 hours a day, so creating a schedule is telling your time where to go instead of wondering where it went. Now, some of you live by a calendar and a schedule, and so this first part of this point doesn't apply to you. Others, like a schedule, you're like, what is that? How do I do that? Um, I use, just, I'll just tell you what I use. I use uh, my phone. There's a calendar on there, and it's shared with my wife, and I can see her calendar as well. <laughs> and what I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of anal when it comes to my schedule. I'll tell Rose, I'll say, if it's not on the calendar, it doesn't exist. So um, she doesn't like that. But, you know, it's just kind of like, if you don't put it on there, it's just, it doesn't exist. So I schedule everything from making sure I take out the trash to um, making sure that we have a date night every week. I mean, it's just on the calendar and, and it's scheduled. So if you don't have something like that, find a tool and start scheduling your life. Start deciding where you're going to spend your time instead of just spending it all and wondering where it went. And by the way, I will, like if it was, we're talking about the tires, I will find a convenient time on my calendar to get new tires, and then I'll put an appointment on my calendar to get new tires. Because if it's something that I, that's important to me that needs to get done, I'll just schedule time for it. Here's, here's your last fill-in. When we take control of our schedule, great things will get accomplished. And this is true if you're a young adult, too, or a teenager. You guys have schedules, too, and you think, well, it's, I don't get to decide it. Well, you do. There are parts of your schedule that you get to, to own, and I would encourage you to, to start learning how to schedule that and manage your own personal calendar. A side note, don't pack it from top to bottom completely full when you start doing that. Uh, make sure you leave some space empty spaces for the unknown and, and just to go for a walk or whatever. I mean, leave some margin in your calendar. Uh, that's really, really important if you're going to have peace in your life as well. All right, I'm going to invite Emma to come up here. She's going to play keys. If you guys would all stand. I want to tell you um, a short story about when Rose and I first got married, um, we would go on family vacations, and, and of course, I'm driving really fast, you know, to get wherever we're going, um, but I would, I would turn it over to her when I needed to get, you know, a couple hours sleep so that I could continue to drive, and when we first got married, I would turn it over to her because I just couldn't keep my eyes open anymore, and I knew I needed to sleep for a little bit. And I get in the passenger seat, kick my seat back, 
and I couldn't sleep at all. And the reason I couldn't sleep is because I started thinking, if I close my eyes, am I going to wake up to see Jesus? Because we died, <laughs> you know, that Rose got us in a car accident. Or am I going to wake up and find out that I did a David Merle and drove two hours the wrong way? Or is she going to be too close to the car in front of her? I mean, I, right? I mean, so I'm, I'm not getting any rest, and there's no peace, even though this is what I'm supposed to do, because I don't trust my wife. I don't trust her. Now, that's not the case anymore. I can sleep like a baby now. I've learned to trust her. She's a good driver. But as I was thinking about this message, I thought there are many of us today who are not living a peaceful, restful life because we don't trust God. We don't trust Him to take care of our families. We don't trust Him to take care of our job situation. We don't trust Him to take care of this, this relationship or, or whatever. And therefore, we're worried and upset and uptight because we can't release that to God. So we're hanging on to ourselves and we're just not getting the rest we need or the peace that we need. So today, what I want to do is give an opportunity. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofinner.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.